So hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am so excited to bring to you a new person who I have just learned about, who love just, you are just going to love from many different directions because you're going to say, oh my God, he could be my son. And you're also going to say, wow, what an inspirational person to follow and to learn from. And I'm going to be doing that. His name is Rob Moore. And I mean, he has so he has so many businesses. I won't even be able to list them for you. But if you go to his website, robmore.com, R-O-B-M-O-O-R-E.com, you'll be able to find a lot of it. Um, his podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which you're going to want to pull down and listen to. He has a series of books. I can't even list them all. Them, I don't know when the man sleeps. He probably doesn't. Um, and it's all about being an entrepreneur and how to find the time and how to find the way to make it all happen and to reinvent yourself. And he talks very frankly about, um, you know, a tough childhood and, you know, a father who he worshiped and loved who um, ended up having some uh, mental, emotional issues that he had a see through with his father and how that really gave him the, the fire to make himself financially solvent and to make himself an entrepreneur. And yes, he's a guy and yes, he's younger than most of us, though he says he's in his early forties. So he's not that much younger. Um, but what I love is that he talks about, you know, tr he did so well that he's tried to re retire five different ways. And at the end, we all agree that he's just not going to retire. <laughs> you should just call it the unretirement. It's not going to happen. But I think it's inspirational in that there are many different ways to think of your next step. And what he says is, you know, I'm going to retire into what's next. And I think that's how all of us look at life is as we are not looking at retirement as an end of something, but as the beginning of something. And we all want to have that next thing that inspires us, intrigues us, moves us into a new world of meeting new people and being excited by life. And so I think you're just going to totally love this. Stay to the end. It went a little bit longer, but I wanted him to continue because it's so fantastic. Where he walks through all these steps that you need to do in order to get yourself up and going, even if you don't have the funds. I'm very aware of the fact that some of us can reinvent because we want to and we have the financial means. And then there's some of us, and especially after COVID, we're going to be forced into reinvention, um, not by our choice, but we're going to have to do it. I think he has probably books and podcasts that can help. And um, I'm just excited about exploring all of that at the same time that you are. So welcome to the Covey Club Reinvent Yourself. Here's Rob Moore. So thank you for being on here, Rob. This is great. And I love the fact that we have so much in common. And Covey Club is generally for women 40 plus who are reinventing themselves and rethinking themselves. But we also talk to people who are creating reinvention platforms for anybody, but that women 40 plus can use. So maybe let's start, because um, we're here in the U.S. and not everybody knows who you are. 
I like your leading line that you were 50,000 pounds in debt. I don't know what that is in dollars, but it's a lot at age 25 and then found your way to being a multimillionaire by 30. So you could be one of our kids. <laughs> so talk about your beginnings and how you got there and how that became inspirational for other people. Sure. So um, I'm just a normal guy. So I, I, inspiration is a word I find difficult to um, accept. Uh, I think um, I'm just really continuing to try and prove to my dad that I'm a worthy son and to try and prove to the world that I've got value. I think that's the two things inside that drive me. And some of that is from a place of pain, for sure. But some of that is just, um, you know, for me to fulfill my vision, to help as many people on the planet get a better financial education and to start and scale their business, which is something I have a foundation for as well, which I started when I was 36. I'm 41 now. So I hit your age demographic, Leslie, at least. If I don't hit the sex one, I hit the age one. So. Okay, good. Uh, I like that. Good. Yeah, good start. So, um, but let's go back. When I was six, that was when I first got into entrepreneurship. Um, like my dad had pubs, clubs, bars, hotels from literally when I was born until I was a teenager. And we used to travel around a lot when he'd buy new pubs and bars and we'd live above them. I've, I'm always used to living in noise. I can sleep with loads of noise. I'm always used to living in the center of town. So I love living in the center of towns. But at age six, dad would get me emptying the fruit machines, the pool tables, the pinball machines, the tills, where he used to take all the cash. And he really made me feel like an entrepreneur. He'd get me to bag up and count all the money. And he'd say to me, he'd say to me son, what did we take last night? And he made me feel like I was an entrepreneur with him. Um, and, and really, um, he, he raised me that way. And I was working from a very young age, evenings, weekends, and I loved it. I loved work more than I loved school, to be honest. Um, but then uh, so in my teenage years, I got into, you know, I got quite good in some subjects. I got into sport at school and I got into girls. And so school became, I didn't like school when I was young, but I liked it when I was older. Um, but then I got stuck in the school system. So, you know, I did my, in England, we call it GCSEs, which are what, um, up to 15 years old, then A-levels, 16 to 18, and then my degree. But I didn't want to do any of those subjects. I didn't want to be an architect. I didn't want, um, I did English art and German. I, I did, ha I had, okay, I was quite good at German, but I didn't want to use German as a career. So I lost my way. Um, and I, I, I'm not the, the guy that knocks school and education and university saying you should never go to university. It's a waste of time. You get yourself in debt. If you want to be a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, uh, um, that kind of um, vocation, going to uni is probably a good thing. It's probably going to get you a good job. But if you want to be a disruptive entrepreneur, as my podcast is called, and you want to set up a business which is non-standard, maybe university is not the best way to go. And it wasn't good for me. And I came out of university age 22, 23, and I'd built up maybe half that debt, you know, just from going out evenings and weekends and having to pay my accommodation. Even though I came back every evening, uh, sorry, every weekend and worked for my dad in his pub and he paid for um, some of my um, travel and expenses and fees. So he did really help me, but I still got myself into debt. Um, and when I came back from university, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Now, I didn't have a mentor or someone putting their arm around me going, Rob, you should think about what you want to do with your life. Rob, when you get up every morning and when you go to bed every night, ask yourself, what am I meant to do with, with my life? One of my mentors says, um, you know, say this mantra over and over. I am a genius and I apply my wisdom. And I never asked myself, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my genius? Where is my wisdom? I never, because when I'm 22, 23, I just didn't have anyone around me with that kind of advice. So I worked in my mum and dad's pub to help my mum and dad out. 
and then fast forward another three years and I'm still there earning virtually no money, not enjoying it, living off my parents. And, I've, and then I built up this 50 grand worth of debt through going out. And, you know, sometimes you think debt, it gets built up um, really quickly. You make a couple of really bad, big financial decisions. There's other ways of getting into debt. You just spend a little bit more than you earn every month and compound it over five or seven or 10 years. That can also become a lot of debt. And that's how it was with me. I'd earn 200 quid a week and I'd spend 250 quid a week. Didn't seem that wow. much of a problem at the start, but of course, seven years on. Anyway, I, I want to keep this short because I know you, we're going to do 30 minutes, um, Leslie. But um, basically, December the 15th, 2005, freezing cold December lunchtime, really busy pub that my dad had full of customers. My dad had this huge nervous breakdown, huge oh. nervous breakdown. Uh -huh. um, and like to the point where... Um, he was squealing. He couldn't speak. Um, he, and I managed to get him out of the pub. I got him out, out the front. Um, my mum and my sister came out and they were like, what's going on? All the customers were watching. Police car, police van pulled up. Two young officers got out. They beat him up. Um, they beat him up pretty bad. Uh, it was not very nice to, to witness to see uh, when it's your dad. Um, they, they beat him up because they didn't know he was having a nervous breakdown and he was just uh, uncontrollable? Or I think he'd be... Uh, it's difficult to say, look, I don't blame the police, so I don't want to put them into a okay. bad name. And these are just two people. They're not a whole police force. I think okay. it was a combination that, that one of the police officers was really young, and I think he was scared. Um, and I, I think they mistaked my dad's, um, you know, mental health breakdown for aggression. Um, and to be honest, he did fight back. So, you know, but look, maybe I've got a slightly hazy memory. I'm, I'm, I certainly don't go around, you know, That's blaming. common. Yeah, the that's common happened you know it was a difficult situation um and and we didn't see him properly for three or four months uh, and this was 15 years ago and my dad's had four major episodes since then they normally last two to five years and we're three years just coming out the back end of one at the moment um and so that day december the 15th 2005 changed my life and i was a victim i was um you know bitter jealous i felt everyone else was lucky and i was unlucky um, I didn't want to take advice from everyone. I was defensive. I was, I wouldn't say I was arrogant. I was just, I had this ego that wouldn't allow me to listen to people. I felt like I knew best, even though I was failing. And I think that was hiding inside of me a, a real shame and guilt for being this young entrepreneur, age six, 10, you know, making money when I'm a kid and loving being with my dad and loving it and then losing my way for many years. Um, but that was the start of my rebirth, if you like. Leslie and um, I guess that's what you know, people often say Rob it's not that easy to go from 50 grand to the debt to being a millionaire um, you know before the age of 31 and then a multi-millionaire beyond that but you know when when you've got this big driving force this big pain in your life this big desire to make your dad proud I mean I, I retired my dad I bought him a brand new Mercedes for his 60th I flew him up in a helicopter when I got my pilot's license he said that was one of the best days of his life um, and so that pain has really driven me. Um, there's a lot more to that story, Leslie, but I um, don't want to take up all the podcast talking. About right. That. But that's amazing. But you, I'm sure it was not an easy path to getting in touch with that pain either. I'm guessing that there's a lot of, a lot of therapy in there and I'm sure you didn't just self therapize and figure all this out. Right. Do you no, do some work I, to get there? Yeah, a lot. I mean, I'm Good. still doing it to this day. I mean, I, right. I only engaged with a therapist last year. I mean, I've had coaches, mentors. I've done lots of courses. I love podcasts, audiobooks. I love learning. I love self-development. 
That's back. us. We're called the, we call ourselves the lifelong learners. So you're with the right people. <laughs> Amen to that. And okay. I think my journey in 2006 was personal development. And my journey in 2020 has been more um, therapy and, you know, more self-discovery, if you like. Um, yeah, but I, I would say about, about a week after that happened, I was beating myself up into a pulp. I hated myself. I hated how I felt really responsible for my dad's nervous breakdown because he'd worked in the pub so hard. He never had a birthday off. He never had a Christmas off. He never had, he had sometimes had Mondays off, but you know, he worked six days a week, 15 hours a day, up at 6 a.m., going to bed at 1 p.m. It was ridiculous. And it just ground him down over time. Um, and, and over that week, I was like, I've got to do something with my life. And I didn't know what, and I didn't know how. I just knew why. Um, and, and, you know, it's, the initial driver was my dad to prove my dad that, you know, I was a worthy son, if you like. Um, and I'd say that's there less now, Leslie, but it's still there a bit. Um, and, you know, when I took my dad up in the helicopter um, when I got my license and he said, oh, I always wanted to be an aircraft engineer. Sorry, I always wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't quite make it as a pilot. But, I, you know, I became an aircraft engineer and I'm, I'm really proud of you, son. And, you know, when I bought him this brand new Mercedes, I put a massive bow on it and surprised him. And I gave him a house. And, um, you know, those, these, those have been the, my most beautiful moments in my life, right up there with the birth of my children. Um, That's so amazing. That is amazing. Worth it. So basically what you're saying is that you were able to use your, um, your inner sort of, what do you want to call it, pain or um, anger to drive what you were doing, which I think, you know, look, a lot of people do that. Um, a lot of, you know, women, when you get to be a little bit older, you've experienced all kinds of things. We have parental mm -hmm. stuff. We have kids stuff. We have spouse stuff, we have health stuff. Things don't always go the way you hope they go, which is why, and I love your honesty and I love your directness and I see why everybody loves you. And I, I signed up for your podcast, but I didn't know about you till now. So I'm ex assuming that all of the women listening here are going to love you too. And, um, well, you know, you. look, that, that drives all of us, you know, and um, that is not a surprise but it's being honest about it and coming to terms with it and turning it around to use it in a positive way. So talking about positive things, what I love is that you say you've retired many times and you call it your, your epic weakness. And a lot of the women who I speak to, this is the generation that is not going to retire. We don't see why, why would you go from doing what you're doing and being involved with the world and having agency and, you know, dressing nicely and going out to lunch and meeting new people. And we are all constant learners, as I said that to you. Why would you unplug and go sit on a beach somewhere just because you hit a certain age? So I'd love to hear you. You're much younger than um, most people who would be retiring. But what is your thought process on that and all the people that you've interviewed? Because I think it is a new, new look at a generation and maybe your dad was thinking of retiring. I mean, but maybe there's a, you can see how it's so different for your generation as well. Yeah. So for me, retirement is not about doing nothing. It's about doing something else. And I think that's really important. Now I need to give you a bit of an analogy here. My dad is probably one of the best people in the world at giving up smoking. 
because he's given up about 50 times. He's just restarted 51 times. <laughs> and um, I'm probably one of the most experienced people you will ever meet about retirement because this is my fifth retirement. Now, some people say, well, then you never retired. But if you intend to retire, you retire. But what most people are trying to do is retire away from what they're doing. They're trying to do nothing. And for me, my retirement means doing something else. Uh, and it is a retirement because it's a change. So what do I want to do more of now? I want to take up a martial art again. I want to listen to all my records because I love vinyl. Um, I want to spend way more time with my kids than I have the last few years because they're a very important age. And, you know, when they're 18, I, I might wish they were here and, and, and they not be here because they might be at university or traveling. So I want to spend lots of time with them. I want to do long walks. I want to get more podcasts in my ears, more audio books. Um, I want to do more exercise and go to the gym more. I do go quite a lot, but I, I, I know that I could probably increase the intensity of my workouts. I want to travel a bit more and, and um, I want to talk to more people on the phone or go and meet them face to face, um, whether they're friends or business associates or partners or whatever. Uh, now, what I'm retiring from is operational work in my companies. So um, I have a few companies and, and you could say there are probably four main companies um, and one of them doesn't need too many staff and three of them um, does need staff. And, and there's about 95 staff I have within those three um, companies. So if I have to be operational eight hours a day, then I'm clearly not maximizing the 95 people that are um, you know, working in my companies. And if you think about it, if I earn a little bit on, on those 95 people, instead of trying to um, hustle and grind my 15 hours a day in, you know, and put myself into an early grave, surely that's a better thing. So um, anyone who's got a company and who's got a, you know, a decent number of staff will know as soon as you go into the office, it's very easy for you to get drawn into things. They'll also know that um, if you love your company and you love what you do, which I do, I mean, I, I, you know, it is a cliche to say, isn't it? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But I do embody that because I do love what I do. But there is a problem with loving what you do. And that is you get too involved operationally. Um, and in reality, if I want my company to go grow to 500 staff or to go from, you know, 20 million to 50 million uh, sterling or, you know, yearly um, revenue or, or whatever metrics I might measure, because they're not the only ones. Um, I can't do that working any more hours because I'm one human being. Whereas if I have extra staff or I have extra resource or if I have extra cash um, or if I create um, a, a compelling vision or if I get my managers to level up, I get my team to skill up, then there's way more leverage in that. So um, I've, I've, I've retired so many times, I've almost created a model and I haven't quite got it into a visual or written it in some bullets yet, but I will do that soon. But my first retirement was an asset-based retirement, i.e. I had enough assets to technically not need to carry on work. But this was just before the last recession. And when the last recession came, that kind of rocked everything. In fact, today in the UK, we're technically in recession for the first time since back then. Um, so then after I retired from an asset point of view, I realized actually maybe it needs to be cash because maybe asset isn't strong enough. So then I built up enough cash to be able to retire and not work again. And that was my second retirement cash retirement. My third retirement was time retirement. I had enough assets and enough cash, but I've got busy again. I've, I've written 16 books, 17, 18 and 19 are being edited. I've done nearly 700 podcast episodes. I've got these companies. I've got hundreds of houses. I, I, I can, I've got a lot of things going on. So 
Um, what I tend to do when I free up something or systemize something or leverage something or outsource something and free this time, I tend to fill that void with something else. Um, vacuum law of prosperity, I remember studying about you create an, a void and then you end up filling it with something. And that is me. It's like my mum. When she tidies the house, she just moves mess from one room to another room to another room to another room, convincing herself she's tidying the house when in reality she's moving mess around. And I tend to juggle time around like that. Then my fourth retirement was operational. So that is, okay, you don't have a real business unless the business can run without you um, because otherwise you have a, a dependent entity. Uh, and that was in 2016, the last time I retired. And I took my son around the world for two years. He was five at the time and he played in the under six world championships at golf and in the European championships and the British championships. And he did that two years running. Um, and, and then when he didn't really carry on with that to the competitive level, I've managed to get myself busy again. And then by 2019, I'm back in the company working and I'm like, oh, how did I get here? Um, and so now I'm doing another one, round five. Uh, and for me now, this is about um, passion profession merge. So it's about doing more things for me because um, I've committed a lot of things to my company. I stopped my martial arts. Um, you know, I haven't done as much health and fitness as I used to do in my early 20s. Um, I probably haven't seen my family as much as I could have in the last few years. So this fifth retirement is about lifestyle. Um, so that's the journey that I've been on. And, you know, thankfully for a decade plus financially, I've had enough. And um, it's very easy to go. Oh, I just need a bit more. I just need a bit more. I just need a bit more. Um, but, you know, a couple of times along the journey, I've realized I don't need any more money. I'm in that fortunate position. Now I can chase more money and I can want more money, but I don't need more money. Um, so yeah, that, that's a bit of the journey and that's where <laughs> I'm at now. That's a, a <laughs> lot of unretirement. I think you should stop using the word, put it away. You're not retiring. And um, I think it's just an old bad word we should stop using. Mini now, retirement. Yeah. Talk about, yeah. talk about uh, your podcast. Just quickly I, here, Leslie, sorry. Sorry, if I could just, because okay. I think, I hear you about, um, you know, that word. What I'm trying oh, to do is I'm, I'm trying to have these so-called retirements now, not later. That's the key. Okay. So why wait till you're 65, 70 or 75? And then when you decide you don't want to work anymore, then you die. Because the statistics show that you don't live that long after you stop work. Um, now, of course, if you love what you do, you, then, you know, if you like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or... Um, passionately working into their 70s and 80s and even 90s. I admire that. I do. Um, but that's not for everyone and not everyone's going to be able to do that. I think that the key is make some decisions now that mean you can take mini retirements. You can take a month off a year or you can work that three month year um, as opposed to waiting until the end of your life. So that's really how I'm playing. I like juxtaposing that better. Yeah. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about my consumer, who is, as I said to you, women 40 plus. And you have your podcast, which I'm so excited to find, Disruptive, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Talk to me about what A, women do differently in entrepreneurship, and do you have any sort of insights into older women and entrepreneurship because a lot of women there's a there's a breakdown in my group there and especially post covid now where there's going to be there's a lot of women who are very successful they're ceo cmo cfo managerial 
And of course, the world we're going back into, people are being asked to take 20% um, off their salary and do the same job. And they're saying, gee, I don't know. Of course, I'm going to do it till I figure out what I do next. But I don't know if I want to do that. There are some people who are financially set. You know, they have kids they're sending to college, whatever, who are financially set early enough that they can say, okay, I'm out of here and I do want to reinvent myself as an entrepreneur and I have the financial stability. And then there's a group of women who are caught a little bit by surprise and are like, oh my goodness, I don't, I need to reinvent myself because I'm in this bad situation. You know, I'm being downsized, I'm being pushed off into um, HR, I'm being, you know, my, the things that I really love are not being given to me anymore and I'm stuck. You know, I may have, you know, kids that I've still got to put through school. I may have, you know, my husband may be there, may not be there, may be widowed. I might be divorced. Who knows? So I have two different groups. What have you learned in your 700 podcasts there um, that you can say to them about those two different situations and having to face reinvention at this point? So that is a massive question. A we massive only have 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. Hey, look, by the way, uh, Leslie, just kick me off when you're ready. I, I you know, like, um, I, um, okay. I'll, go, I'll go for as long as you want. Now, I don't okay. necessarily mean a massive answer. I just mean a massive question. Okay. Now, right now in the UK, I can't speak for the US, but in the UK, we've had a, a bit of a resurgence of increased respect for women being equal, which we've needed for a long time. And I'm definitely a champion of that. I, I would say two thirds of my staff are women. Um, so I think we're moving in the right direction, but let's be honest, the playing field either isn't equal or hasn't been equal for a long time. And I want to respect that, but I'm not a woman and I have to also, I mean, it's not a revelation of course, but, um, you know, I have to be honest. I don't want to sit here and make out like I know what I don't. That being said, um, I have coached, mentored thousands of entrepreneurs it might even be hundreds of thousands uh, and you know many people follow me many women follow me many mothers follow me many single mothers um follow me and they found it really hard in the lockdown i was supporting many of those as much as i could um but what i don't really like doing um and i'm going to try and answer your question directly but also then answer it indirectly what i don't really like doing is um making any particular demographic of person uh, supporting a, a victim mentality, if you like. So, you know, being downsized um, or having a 20% cut or being in HR and that maybe being made redundant, that's happening to men and women. I don't know the statistics of how many more it is, but, you know, that's, that's happened to men and women in our company. We've had to do that with, um, you know, because obviously we've, we haven't so much downsized, but, you know, we have had to let some staff go because we're not running events anymore and we're an events company. Um, so um, to answer it directly, I think it's really important to play to your strengths. Now, um, as an individual, you have strengths, but as a woman, you have strengths. You, you know, but I don't mind saying this and I might get in trouble for it, but I think that uh, women uh, do have generally more empathy than men. Um, I think that they're generally more loyal and trustworthy in a corporate environment than men. I can only go from my own experience. I'm not going from anything I've read or studied. Um, but um, in my company, 
Um, we've just had uh, our MD uh, on Sunday. She's been with us 10 years. We're probably, what, a 12? Well, no, we started in 2007. So we're a 13-year-old company. So the only two people that have been in our company the longest are family. Um, so our MD's been with us 10 years. Um, the next person who's been with us the longest is also um, a woman, and she's been with us nine years. Um, and of maybe the top, what, eight people that have been with us, I'd say six of those are women. So the data shows to us, because we've not had um, necessarily an over or an under bias on, um, well, we definitely haven't had an over or under bias on who we've hired, man, men or women. We might not have had equal amounts of men or women apply for jobs, so that might be slightly skewed. Um, but uh, my MD, who's a woman, she, she seems to think, um, by the way, my um, followers, I'm just telling you, Leslie, because I'm pulling all sorts of faces here. They absolutely love it when I get asked questions about women because anyone who knows me knows I normally put my foot in my mouth um, pretty easily. Um, so they're all here chuckling away at this. Um, and I'm trying to answer it honestly without um, you know, getting myself into trouble. Um, my MD says she believes that women often stay in a, a career longer because they are the mother of the children and it's more common for the mother to take the more responsibility in parenting. Therefore, it's more risky for them to move career. That's what she says, not me. I don't know. Um, but I just see it as women are staying longer with us. So they tend to be you know, more loyal in that regard. So if that's the case, how does a, a woman make that her advantage? Well, she makes that her advantage by thinking long term. Um, so, you, you, you know, you might not get the career progression you want. You might feel like it's, you know, a bit unfairly biased towards men or, you know, the corporate world is, is a little bit male driven. Well, if women are staying longer and more loyal, you should get your role in the end. Um, we've only had people at the very top of our leadership tree um, in, in terms of MD um, and operations manager. They've only ever for us been women. So that's one way you can play it to your advantage. Um, we have had plenty of people set up in competition against us. We've had plenty of people, you know, do things to us that we would regard as naughty or something that we might want to get a lawyer involved in or a tribunal or whatever. It's, it's only been one woman. And, and then, you know, like however many, that, all of the rest of them have been men. So there could be some generic advantages there that, that, that um, women have. And I think you've got to play to your strengths. Um, and um, at the end of the day, we are in a merit-based world. So what can you do to go and, um, you know, get your, um, the share of your career that you want? I think that um, more people are hiring women keynote speakers, more people are um, listening to, to women-led podcasts. Um, so I think the time to set up your podcast is now. The time to think about your career, your, what, what the Americans call the side hustle, maybe now. But for me, that's not about whether you're a man or a woman setting up your side hustle. It's about the illusion of security. So this is where I'm going to indirectly answer the question, Leslie. Um, and that is security is an illusion because I think COVID is a great example of proving to us that um, you, you, you don't have security because a, a virus that's bigger than you or a government policy that's bigger than you or that, um, that fireworks explosion that went off in, in Beirut, I think it was, you know, mother nature uh, bosses us and shows us we don't have any security. It's all an illusion. So when people are settling in a career or they've got a job that they don't enjoy, that's not who they want to be or where they want to go, but they're doing it because they've got overheads, mortgages, children, public, private schools, car loans, etc. They're trapped in an illusion. Um, and, and what that does is that that holds you back from 
um, understanding what your true purpose and vision in life is. So about seven years ago, I discovered through lots of questions every day asking myself, who am I and what should I do with my life? Who am I and what should I do with my life? What is my unique genius and talent? Um, and it's to help as many people on the planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education. And like I said, I've, I've partnered my personal vision with my charity mission, um, which is to help young and underprivileged people start and scale their business um, and get a better financial education. Now, um, if you've got a really good job or you're financially hard up, uh, but you have a vision or you want to discover a vision, you keep asking yourself that question until you find something that you know you should do. And then you um, hustle uh, and, you know, you nick a bit of time here and nick a bit of time there, um, evenings, weekends, whenever you can. Um, and I see people all the time making excuses. Um, now, I don't have children hanging off me 12 hours a day, but I am a dad and I do take um, more equal responsibility now since my mini retirement. Uh, I, I probably... Um, you, you know, have the kids for maybe a third to two fifths of the time. Um, so, you know, I'm taking responsibility, whereas maybe before my mini retirement, maybe a year ago, I maybe had the, the kids one tenth of the time. Um, but you've got to forge time. So you've got to get up a little bit earlier. You've got to take that little break. You've got to get a bit of a babysitting going on. You've got to get a bit of nursery going on. You've got to get grandparents involved. Now, hopefully you've got some of those that you can access and resource, um, assuming you have kids, of course, um, but you, you've got to hustle a bit and you've got to get those 10 hours out of that week. And if you invest those 10 hours consistently for one year, three years, five years, soon enough, your income will meet your overheads or your income will replace your current income. And, and actually the process of um, quitting your job is, is not that difficult. I did a live video on it on my um, Rob Moore Progressive Property page. It's not that difficult. It's just a, a, a sort of a, a four-step process. Uh, the first thing is you've got to understand what business model you want to move into. What's your new career? What's your vocation? It can't be something fleeting. It can't be something that looks interesting. That, oh, we're in lockdown. Oh, I'll, do, I'll do delivery for a bit. No, 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 that's fleeting. What is something that you would do that you would enjoy the challenges that you could be passionate about, that could be a, a life's mission and vision and purpose? You've got to get the right business model. That, that's the first thing. Um, the next thing is you've got to set the date. So whether we're, you could go December 31st, 2021, 2023, doesn't matter. But you've got to set a date in the future. You could go even as far as to write a resignation letter and put it in the drawer ready. You've got to make that commitment. What a lot of people go, oh, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. I'd love to set up a training business. I'd love to have a podcast. You know, I'd love to um, do a training course. I'd love to you know, have a yoga um, class and whatever. They, they've got all these things they'd love to do, but they never commit and they never set the date. So that's the second thing you've got to do. And the third thing you've got to do is you've got to comp compartmentalize the time in the diary. So, um, look, you, you might be busy, but no one is too busy to do the things that are most important to them. So if what you're not doing, you're not making important enough. So um, if uh, the pain of not having the second job, the new job, the new career, the pain of not reinventing yourself is greater than the hustle to get the extra hours in, you'll do it. So you just got to work out what the greater pain is to you. And yeah, for a while, you're going to have to juggle um, a couple of jobs, maybe children, etc. Um, you just got to figure out what's the greater pain. Um, and, and the day that you endure challenges with this almost sadistic, voyeuristic pleasure, um, Lubner has just said here, are you interested or are you committed? That is a good point. There's a big difference. 
Um, but the day you almost get a pleasure out of the pain, that's when you know you're in the right business. Um, instead of avoiding the pain, you roll up the sleeves. So the third thing is you've got to forge that time. I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results, and I, I teach people how to compartmentalize their diary, block out their key result areas, their key life areas, their income generating tasks. Um, and then the fourth thing is you've got to work out what that income replacement figure is. So, you know, it, do you need to match your overhead or do you want to uh, match your full salary? Um, do you, are you going to go down to part-time first and then um, to fully quit or are you just going to fully quit? Um, so, you know, you work out your basic overhead, your living expenses covered. That might be step one and step two might be full income replacement. And I'm not saying it's easy. Simple and easy are very different. I said simple, but it is a simple process that you follow. And that works for a man or woman. That works whether you've got kids or not got kids. That works whether you're um, 30 or 60. The average age that someone starts up a business is in their mid-40s. And there yeah. are many people in the 60s that have started businesses. So this is important to say. It's not just for kids. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'll challenge you on is the kids and the babysitter thing. We've been doing that already and getting up early. You can't tell a woman over the age of 50 to get up any earlier. <laughs> she can barely sleep. That's the only, the only thing that I will teach you on this podcast. Don't ever say yeah. that to a woman over the age of 50. So talk well, quickly. Go ahead. Leslie, that was one, that was one suggestion. Right. You know, no, I'm, I'm joking with you. Parents, you know, like getting help. Like, for example, my wife, she's partnered with her sister and they're doing a business venture together. Um, I think that's a great idea. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll take the kids, um, you know, I'll step up and have more responsibility with the kids. That's, you know, part of my mini retirement is to spend more time with the kids and then that frees time for her. So, you know, if you, you play as a team in your family as much as you can. Now, I get there's always someone out there. They've got no parents left. They're right. single. You know, and, and, but, you know, I, I, I still got to say this because I know I don't understand everyone's individual situation. I, I did disclaim that at the start. You cannot go into victim mode because it doesn't serve you. You might have every reason. You might have the worst luck in the world, but you can't go into right. victim mode. You just got to work out what can you do. Right. No, and I love that. So quickly before we close, and those are fabulous. And just say again, the book that that comes from, I love the routine equals results. That's, a, that's yes. actually a very good book for us to look at. Mm, um, and then just talk about, you said, can you talk about your new book, which is right up the alley of everybody listening, which is called Re Reinventing Yourself. <laughs> yeah. So well, talk a little bit about that and when that comes out. Sure. So my... The, the latest book I have that's actually out now is called I'm Worth More um, because I've had self-worth challenges in the past from being left alone a lot when I was young and being an overweight kid. Um, and obviously I told you about the stuff that drove me with my dad. Um, so that's the current book that's out. And the reason I say that is because um, the, I've actually got three that are coming out within the next sort of nine months, but I don't know what the timing is based on when the show goes live. So I have one book called Reinventing Yourself which is um, a collaboration. It's a, a co-author between myself and Joel Ratner, who's very famous in England and Europe. He had the biggest jewelry uh, business in Europe. He was turning over more than, he was in the billions of turnover in the 1980s. But he made a speech uh, sort of making jokes about his jewelry being cheap, although he got completely taken out of context. And basically the media ruined his life. Um, and he was 10 years in the wilderness and then he, he had an amazing comeback. Uh, and I've become friends with him over the years. So we wrote that book together, Reinventing Yourself, which I know is very close. It's a bit of a serendipitous thing, Leslie, isn't it? Because Funny. you have reinvent yourself. And um, one thing I'd love to say about reinvention is you don't have to wait till you're 50. 
or you don't right. have to have been in a job 20 years to reinvent yourself. I think, you know, with, with the younger culture um, who are traveling more, who are vagabonding more, who are airbnb more, you know, I think that um, you've got to reinvent yourself, I think, many times in your life. And I, I admire people like Madonna, Michael Jackson, Coldplay, um, I could go, you know, maybe Vivian Westwood, you know, um, artists and musicians who last decades and reinvent themselves and rebrand themselves. And, and you know, it takes a lot to um, traverse many decades and still be very successful. I guess you two did it very well, didn't they? Um, so I, I think now we might have five, six careers in our lifetime. Whereas, of course, yes. you know, my parents' parents or even my parents, they'd have one career. So you've got to be able to re reinvent yourself at a moment's notice. So don't get ready, be ready. You've got to be ready. You ain't got time to, um, you know, spend 10 years planning your new career. You've got, you've got to be able to turn sharply. Um, yes. and so I think it's a fantastic concept. And I think the, the work you're doing in that regard is lovely, Leslie. So um, I have been saying that for a very long time that uh, mostly because how aging has changed in that, you know, we are healthier, we are more together, we are in better, we are in better shape. We have longer uh, longevity and women have another 10 years on the men. And <laughs> there's no reason why you can't reinvent yourself. Why, you know, this old idea of whatever you're going to pick. I remember my son when he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And he was like, oh, I'm having such a breakdown. I'm like, what's the breakdown? And it was because I've got to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. I was like, two years. Pick two years. <laughs> That's your life is going to go in two year increments. You know, even in my life, it was, you know, maybe 10 years, maybe 15. And, um, you know, certainly for you, it's going to be much speeded up. And it makes sense that we're, you know, the pace of things, we are going to reinvent ourselves many, many times. And I'm so glad that we had this talk. We ran out of time, but you are just absolutely an inspiration. You should you're going to get all these, you're going to find like this bump in all these women from the U.S. buying your books. I'm going to go out. I've put you on my podcast to, to um, listen to everything you say. It's so wonderful to meet you and what a great inspiration. And I, I just love the, I love your spirit and I think my listeners will love it too. So thank you thank so you. much, Rob. So thank you for joining us for this podcast from across the pond. It was so wonderful to talk to Rob. I love when we get to tap into people from different places that we just don't really know about. We're all so America centric that we just don't, we don't get exposure. And I love finding new people. And I love the fact that he has a book coming out called Reinventing Yourself. I just, I mean, we are just all aligned. Um, if you enjoyed that, I hope you'll subscribe and you'll follow us and come join the Covey Club. We have so much going on. Wait till you see what we have planned in the fall for our webinars. We have webinars where you can come learn everything from how to write a current resume to, oh my God, everything, DIY, beauty products to, I'm doing the whole lifestyle thing and you are going to get back in there in, in the fall and you're going to be able feeling fabulous about yourself and about your prospects no matter what they are because this is tough times 
And come join us, CoveyClub.com. Come join us on Covey Connect. Come be a, uh, a Covey influencer. There are so many opportunities for you. And I hope that you will join us in all those different ways that you can. And I hope that uh, you will come back and listen to more of Reinvent Yourself. And if you know somebody who's trying to reinvent themselves or need to reinvent themselves, please turn them on to our podcast because I think we can really be a help. Thanks so much. Take care.